0: or Gaming Fighter Podcast. Simply shuffle up the cards, ask a question, and let the content roll. Get yours today at poddex.com. Once again, that is poddex.com. And make sure to use the promo code TALKPOP, that's T-A-L-K-P-O-P, for 10% off your order. This episode is powered by Poddex. Hey, what up, fanboys and fangirls? Welcome to our edition of talking Pop. It's the podcast and all things pop culture. I'm your host, the franchise scores joining me from a remote location somewhere in the deep Andes Mountains, Vico. Yeah, so we're meeting through Discord. This is like our second Discord call, so so pretty much, uh, yeah. <laughs> it might be a slight delay, uh, but we did hang out this past weekend, so, yeah, I'm um, Kind of recovering. <laughs> yeah, did like the first like twisting Trisha today. I'm trying to get back at things. Um, we do want to see, be a little bit serious for a minute. Uh, really like this past week, uh, we lost, uh, an artist, I would say, like hip hop artist that you probably know He was a movie used by like Belly, Created to the Grave, Romeo Must Die. Of course, his music is used a lot in a lot of like references when it comes to like Deadpool. Uh, video games as well, he was featuring video games as well, his music was used in a lot of commercials, Uh and who, you're probably thinking, who am I referring to, I'm referring, referring to the one known as DMX, um, DMX suffered a, a heart attack a week prior, to the point he was placed in a coma, and to the point where, basically, he was a vegetable, and the family had to make a tough choice, and had to pull the cord, and Friday, he passed away at the age of 50 years old. As for me, my introduction to DMX was because of, I don't know, Biko, if you remember, in the early days of YouTube, there used to be those anime music videos where they used, like, shots from, like, the Dragon Ball Z films, and they imposed his music on there and try to seek it with music and stuff back then. So, yeah.
1: It was definitely more or less, uh, part of his career is like mid to late 90s, late 2000s push. So like, let's say compared, compared to a lot of rappers, um, your tenure in the game of, of hip hop is only, I mean, you get lucky if you even have a career that lasts you more than a decade. And time and time again, we only see a couple who get to surpass that feat. Um, but DMX had sort of a special run in the sense that he was very prolific from the start. Um, he, he had his own his own way of taking hip-hop to a diverse crowd but also being remaining authentic and who he was. And if you if you at least hear interviews or like candid clips of other rappers and how they kind of were coexisting with him, they always said that he came off as just, you always got him hundred percent of the time um, and it, it just spoke through his, his rap and he he just had such a different type of character and demeanor that you can't you don't honestly see that in hip hop today. Um, you only have a couple but like he he personified like who he was and he didn't hide that like they kind of understood his, his background he was always someone that remained I want to say, as a God fearing person who had a pretty rough background and you know, just, he, he was, he was pretty open about it on his songs. And, and I think that's what really helped him kind of influence the genre in his own way. And, and he had so many good hits that still played today that like any song, any song that he played or like you would hear and it was, it automatically you would know, you would know it's DMX. Uh, to this day, they still get you pumped and, and yet, and considering that like he was able to, to star in movies and, and even have his, I would hope I wanted to see him have more, more acting roles, but the ones that he did take on were, I, I want to say they were blockbusters on their own right. And they were pretty culturally significant, especially one being belly that had not only him, but Nas was in that as well. Um, and so like he, DMX was, kind of one of those few musician artists rappers who were able to kind of transcend the music industry and have a role in, in acting because there's not a lot of them who get to do that as well. But it's very sad the way he went out, uh, considering that the details are still somewhat like, I think with the internet today, it's hard to really get a clear picture of what actually happened. Um, some were saying that he wasn't, he didn't overdose some people from his camp are saying it was something different, but like, it's just too conflicting. And it is unfortunate that he had to end up in a vegetative state due to whatever it was. But uh, just seeing him months ago on these versus battles, and it, it seemed like he was on a way better. uh, I want to say a way better trajectory in his own life. And yeah, like 50 is, it's pretty young in today's standards to pass Mm -hmm. away. and, And it's sad to see him kind of go, a wayside, because I really would love would love to see a resurgence of him, back like before his passing, like I, I really thought that maybe he was, because he was. um I have him on Instagram, and he was already uh, just constantly posting, like, "Hey, any rappers wherever you are, come, like, send me your stuff." It seemed like he wanted to help a lot of you know up and coming rappers, kind of give his platform to others. And frankly, when it comes to like hip hop, it's 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 pretty braggadocious, so they always seem like. There's not a lot of people I feel like that would actually put in that effort to use their platform to help, you know, others who, who want to make it in music. It's already tough, tough enough as it is. So to, for him to be lost, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a big gut check. I, I really thought that he was going to come back with some new stuff. Um, it would have been nice to see, but unfortunately that's not going to happen. So like my condolences to his family and. Uh, we lost another great one, I think. It's, it's sad, especially in hip-hop. There's been a lot of uh, pretty significant musicians, artists coming out uh, as of late that, like, they kind of go out, and I think it's like since he came from the 90s, it's a little particular, you know, uh, with him being such an iconic figure in, in hip-hop, and it's, it's, it's sad to see that we lost them. but yeah, R.I.P., man.
0: Yeah, I think um I saw like on Facebook um pretty much um the Rick and Morty Facebook page they did like a little tribute to them a little bit um what they did was I don't know if you ever seen Rick and Morty episode where like Summer and Rick got like buffed and stuff and start being up like haters basically so they did they took the music away and they put out uh, X gonna give it to you it's like a fifty second yeah. clip and it just shows Rick and um Summer you know they're all buffed down and everything and they're being up a Nazi. Like a <laughs> the Nazi person. person who's mistreating a dog. Um, guy They beat up a guy. They just beat him up and spit on him. And you hear X going to give it to you in the background. So it's kind of like a little tribute to DMX. And the caption says, we miss you, DMX. You know, RIP, you know. It seemed like a lot of tributes and stuff online as well. like A lot of people are, you know, paying tributes to him. And like I said, Ryan Reynolds, of course. Because um, with, you know, with the Deadpool film, it was used, that song was used prominently in Deadpool. So... I mean, just the way that one scene in Deadpool when he goes down and fights like the, he goes and jumps into that van and pretty much is like, you know, attacking the guys and stuff. And the next gun is gonna be just like playing in the background and stuff. So that was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it, it, it sucks because like, like I said, yeah, like you said, there's like conflicting reports. Like I said, we don't know what the true thing was. All we, one report said he had a heart attack, one says he's overdosed. So you got cl- conflicting, you know, stories to the point it drove his, to put him in a coma just say to put him in a coma and you know it's one of those things where like he puts him in a coma and then of course you know the family had to make a tough decision like like I said made a tough decision he was a vegetative safe brain activity was an all time low to the point he was already gone but you never know there's some there's some stories out there people that come back for comas but I guess it was so severe that you know his body couldn't take it anymore basically
1: and I guess, like, at that point, the family has to take it from there. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know. It, it, it would have been nice to see if it, it would keep going. But also, like, yeah, like, if there wasn't any improvement after a week, it's kind of hard to have hope that there was going to be some sense of improvement.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so, like I said, guys, we want to, like, pretty much, you know, talk about DMX a little bit, you know. Because, like I said, happened last week when you know i saw it on ign reported it like people on social media reported as well people started posting tributes on facebook and stuff saying rpdmx and I went that's why i went to read read and see what it said and yeah i mean it sucks man i remember like i said i remember seeing him in Credits to the grave very great feeling him with jet lee did a really good job and against he's also he was also a Roman must die so i mean he had chops he had acting chops and uh I think um Aries Spears uh posted something about when um uh, when Air Spears used to work on Matt TV and had DMX guest star and Dave Spears plays like his mom. <laughs> and then and then DMX is like trying to ask for his mom, Aries Spears like for advice and stuff. It was funny. I was like laughing my <laughs> butt off, like listening to that was like you can't see that shit anymore. It's like and then I think Dave Chappelle does a cliff and Dave Chappelle when DMX was on as well. And he like he did a musical performance on the Chappelle show as well. I forgot who he performed with, but he was on there as well. But like I said, it's... Like I said, it's stuff for the hip-hop world, like I said, with, you know, artists and stuff. And, you know, health is a very serious issue to take out, especially right now when the pandemic is just trying, like, to take care of yourselves and stuff. Because, like I said, you never know what's going to happen. Oh,
1: I mean, with that shit going on, yeah, it's... it's it's not only that that people can worry about. It's social isolation of things changing, and, and people being in, in more stress because of the things that are changing, and, and people's livelihoods being affected with stuff like that. So it's just, oh, you know, that can that can hit anybody, no matter how, no matter how like rich they are or whatnot, or how much, you could say, financial cushioning they have within their own lives. That could still affect you. I mean. And, and who knows what the, who knows if, if he was going through some stuff too, too. It's just, it's sad to see that that's the case that we, I don't know, normally see in the hip hop world. But in, in this one, it was just, I don't know. It's a little more prolific because it was, he was everywhere mm-hmm. growing up. Um, and I don't know, like, I think it, we've only, we've gotten used to the younger side of the hip-hop stars kind of dying and and, um, considering that he was, he had some longevity in in the culture. And he more or less was iconic because of that. He may have a huge catalog. He does have some good albums, especially in the earlier part of his career. So that's what it is. Like he, he, he had more prominence in that, in that early you know that mid to late '90s and early 2000s decade where rap was a little different than what it is now. It's when you know when hip hop wasn't didn't necessarily take over the the handle over rock and roll as as being like the top music genre. And, you know now it's it's completely opposite. Rock sort of took a backseat to hip hop and rap, so it's like to see him kind of being one of those people that are dad lost prominence due to his drug use and stuff, and he kind of had to take a backseat to kind of heal himself. Uh, I really, like, felt that it was going to be a different... We were going to get a different DMX coming around, especially later in his life, but I don't know. Um, it's just, yeah, it's sad to see that that was, like, the thing to enter into the, the, uh, the weekend, I want to say.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it sucks, and then, um, like, this weekend... Pretty much, you know, Dodie, you know, they had uh, WrestleMania was this weekend, this past weekend, and it's a segue to wrestling because, I mean, they had um, WrestleMania, you know, they always have, like, star power, celebrities, of course, Bad Bunny being featured in there as well. Um, they had some people do some, like, performances as well. They had a um, Baby, baby uh, Risha doing the America the Beautiful, which I have no idea who she is. <laughs> I get they, they, they try to get, like, whoever's current. And, you know, what's like, who's current right now, who's training right now? And of course, the big thing when the wrestling world was Bad Bunny. Um, who, you know, a lot of people were like, why is he here? A lot of critics are saying, why is he getting involved? But he's a big wrestling fan. He grew up watching wrestling. Um, they, I was reading like an interview they had with him. He's like, why are you doing this? Like, I've been a fan watching wrestling growing up. Eddie Guerrero was my favorite wrestler. And he's like, if you ever seen, he's like, you ever seen my recent videos? I had a Latino he shirt on. <laughs> He's like, and then he had the song Booker T. You know, need the point, he had Booker T appear in the music video as well. And and then all of a sudden, they did this program at Royal Rumble. And, you know, him, you know, taking on The Miz. It's like, you got to get props. Because he was assigned two people to work with him. Get him trained up. He moved down to Orlando to get trained because that's where the performance center was. And for WWE, this is like the biggest show. Because, like I said, first time they're doing a show... With fans, before they got to go back tonight. Right now, as of this recording, Raw's coming on tonight, and it's in you know they're back in the performance center in the Thunderdome again, but it's at the University of South Florida since you know Tampa Bay Rays are playing their home games now again. So because baseball started, and there was this big showing, you know, WrestleMania is synonymous with pop culture because if it weren't for the first WrestleMania. Introducing the whole rock and wrestling connection by bringing like you know Cindy Lauper, MTV personalities. Who knows what would have happened to WWE at that time? Because if if people don't realize. Go watch like if you watch like the um, the WrestleMania like they, uh, WrestleMania Rewind. That was like the first episode like Ryan Piper and Mister uh, Mister T Hawk Hogan versus uh, Mister Wonderful Paul Andorff, Ryan Piper. They had like a little background to the first WrestleMania where Vince pretty much took a big gamble of creating a Super Show, because they were just doing shows at Madison Square Garden, and they were at Closer to TV. You know, pay-per-view was very young at that time. You had to go to movie theaters across the country just to watch WrestleMania, because pay-per-view, cable was really, like, not that much at that time, because like I said, it was like in 84, and Vince took a big gamble, and looking into other, try to get people from, like, other fans from, like, music, you know, rock and stuff. They're not like your traditional wrestling fans to get a new audience, you know, to get people in it because it was all about sports entertainment. Because this was trying to go from being just like, you know, pure athletes and stuff to, you know, find a way to entertain. And get a bigger audience. So, like I said, if weren't for that, who knows? We wouldn't have had WrestleMania 37 if the first WrestleMania was not successful. So being that, you know, we're still in a pandemic and you know they decide, you know what, we're gonna do it. Let's have an outdoor show. We're only twenty five thousand fans. Let's do it two nights. You know, spread it out. And the first night, you know, it was doing good. You know, the American The Beautiful singing and everything. Of course, you're outside. It's Florida. Sometimes it's hot. But you do deal with that torrential rain. Unfortunately, that's what happened with the first show. With the first they had to delay like 40 minutes. But what was funny, in those 40 minutes, they decided to do the thing is go backstage and talk to wrestlers. You know how wrestlers sometimes will get, like, you know, talking points from the writers and stuff. What I read in the report the next day. Those promos they did during that rain delay were all on the top of their heads. They were just, they just made up whatever they said. They just flashed the camera to them and they started talking. Remember what it was? And like, and it was really good promos just to get the build up and stuff until finally they got the call, hey, let's get going. Let's get the first match going. And watching that, the, the night one and watching their eyes, their wrestlers' eyes and stuff. And it was a sense of almost like you had that sense of normalcy a little bit because, I mean, they were performing. And a closed set for almost a year and a day since the pandemic, well, since the lockdowns last year. And you can imagine the goosebumps in their eyes, you know, battling the elements and trying to put on a show and, you know, able to interact with the fans, seeing them for the first time, able to get out there. And night one killed it. Yeah, there was one accident. Um, one of the wrestlers, one of the female wrestlers, are walking down the ring. And the ended slipping on the ramp because, like I said, it rained. Accidents happen. And she was able to get up, but it happens. Um, but there was a lot of emotion with her, each of the performers because of each of the superstars because they were looking around, taking their time to soak it in. They're like, hey, we're in front of the fans again. It's nice to see everyone back. Of course, seeing Vince McMahon coming out, man. Old Vince coming out at the beginning saying, you know, talking about how these guys, you know, everyone was at home, you know, we, they're best to entertain you guys for the past year and a half. You know, putting on to keep you entertained, keep your mind off the pandemic. You know, when thank you so much, you know, for supporting us, and you know, we're gonna put on a good show for you. Like, welcome to WrestleMania. So it was great. I would say, like, the matches that sent out to me on night one, I would say will have to be the we'll have to be the bad bunny and Damian Priest versus uh Morrison and the Miz. Because like I said, the all eyes were not just on Damian Priest. You know, Damian Priest being called from NXT. For a big guy, he moves pretty fast, great agility, awesome, promo talker. I saw him in NXT. And then Bad Bunny, because all eyes were on Bad Bunny. Like, can this guy wrestle? He's an artist. He's not a wrestler. He's not athletic. He proved the critics wrong with all those spots that he did. Yeah, he had a little rusty. He started off slow, but eventually he was able to get the momentum and catch up and he did some great moves i remember because i showed you that one gif they made of him doing the destroyer on john morrison outside the ring which it was a really good spot and he did really good i mean i that was one of the most like you should see the tweets about it like a lot of wrestlers like respect to bad bunny even wrestlers outside though they were like respect to this man for you know respecting the business and stuff like everyone in the back was positive about him. Like when he came back to the grill business, everyone was positive with him. Like they got he gained like a big respect from the people in the back. And then of course, um I mean there were other good matches on the Cardinal New Day. It was sucked they lost to Omas and AJ Styles, but AJ Styles becoming the Grand Slam champion. But Omas being like seven foot four, big ass dude. Damn it took out Kofi and and Woods like crazy. Um and it, it kind of feared me because this is the first WrestleMania, like without the Undertaker. You know, since he retired last year. Um, and then of course, you know, the the main event. Um, Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair. The first time they have two women of color as the main fighting for a championship in the main event of WrestleMania. And you can tell emotions were high on both competitors. Like Bianca got to the point where she was about to cry because it's like she ran she ran she won the Royal Rumble, shows to face Sasha Banks and being there in front of the fans. You can tell, like, like I said, the goosebumps and stuff, and that match did not this point. It was a great match. You know, they went almost like thirty minutes, and they both put on a show back and forth. You know, Sasha was getting the upper hand, and Bianca showing that strength to the point where she was like bench pressing Sasha after outside the ring, just carrying her on the stairs like this, like having her arms overhead, her, her holding Sasha overhead, and just put her into the ring because that's how like strong she is, and. And congratulations to Bianca Belair for, you know, winning a championship because she has so many shots at NXT. And like Vince, like finally decided, you know what, well, let's, we see potential in this athlete. Let's give her a shot, you know? Give her to represent the company because we, we, you don't realize when they win a championship, yeah, it's like bragging rights, but it's showing that the company has faith in you they carry that, the carry that championship because you're representing the company. But night two was decent. Um, you know, Real Whippy, it, it, like I said, it doesn't compare to night one, but at least night two, there it had no weather issues. I mean, there were some scary moments in one match. I think Natalia was in a tag team match with Tamina and Shayna Base kind of need her to the point that I think she like busted her lip because I think at, like she was down for a while and I think the ref forgot to go check on her see if she's all right. Like it looked like almost like a botch almost. And now she really got like, I think they showed pictures, she got like cut right here in her lip, like it was like a hole in her lip. And then, um, well, now I got robbed right now because right now it's like Riddle and last year talking right now. <laughs> but we did see like, cha- like some championships did change hands. Um, but of course, Bobby Lashley in night one retained his WWE championship against Drew McIntyre. And then, um, you know, Ray Ripley became champion after, you know, being Asuka, Asuka being, you know, the champion for so long since, like, June of last year. Um, and then pretty much uh, the one thing, too, uh, the triple threat match with Roman Reigns, Edge, and uh, Daniel Bryan was crazy as hell. Um, because it's like, it was a tr- it was like match everyone was talking about because it's like, it's just three individuals, you know. Roman has come back from a, you know, battling leukemia, coming back and, you know, fine-tuning the character, finally, you know... Becoming a character that I think fits him pretty well, being the heel, being the head of the table, using his family, like his, you know, his heritage as well to help out as well for his character, which it was a good job having Paul Heyman there help him out. But and then, um, oh, shit, real guy just got hit by, got knocked out by nasty. Um, Then having Daniel Bryan, who, like I said, he said mentioning in the interviews, like he's probably going to retire soon. You know, but him coming back from, you know, brain, like a lesion in his brain and, you know, going to like training and stuff to get treatment and finally come back that. And of course, Edge, who retired in 2011, they came back last year at the Royal Rumble coming back and, you know, surprising everyone because who knew? Because he had triple fusion next year. Who knew he was going to come back? And then coming back at the Royal Rumble last year to shock to everybody and shock me as well. And then, of course, he got injured last summer with a tricep injury and then coming back from that. Coming back, winning the Royal Rumble, entering a number one, and then trying to, you know, go out there and prove it. And they three it did good, but unfortunately Roman Reigns had to win. But I think I don't know, it wasn't not giving edge Dan right a belt, but I think it was to get Reigns a more bigger to show how how he is, but at the same time, it was a good match. No, there was very good spots. And it was actually a really decent WrestleMania versus last year where they were indoors and, you know, there was no crowd noise filtering. They were in the performance center. You just heard the wrestlers hanging on. The only highlights from last year was, of course, was the cinematic match between AJ Styles and, uh-oh, I think we lost connection with Biko. I think we just got <laughs> disconnected here. Hold on, let's bring him back. Hold on. Can you hear me now? Looks like we just lost an yeah, a... I don't know what happened. Sorry guys, it's what happens. Internet guys. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to my point, like like last like last year's resume, like, like I said, this year's resume was much bigger, better than last year's. I mean, for me, the biggest highlight from last year's was of course the Undertaker and, and AJ Styles match, which you know it was Mac, but it was really well done. I do recommend you guys check it out. Especially that match, because technically that was Undertaker's last match for WWE. And of course, check out The Last Ride, a documentary as well, if you want to see that as well. Because I think they had the producers from The Last Dance working on it as well. So, have a check out The Last Ride. But overall, I enjoyed WrestleMania. It was a good weekend, and, you know, it's really, really enjoyable. And it's cool for seeing the fans again <laughs> outside. But right now, this is the Raw at the WrestleMania right now. And, of course, anything can happen you know, anything can happen at all, so, like I said, that's my little wrestling corner, so, I'm gonna go that, I was just checking to see what else was going on in the news and stuff, um, I'm trying to go on here before we get <laughs> disconnected again, because I don't know, that was weird, um, uh, but I do wanna say, like, I know yesterday was fun, <laughs> trying sake for the first time, that was crazy. Like trying to do something, do it was just oh my god, dude! I was like, you know, it kind of blew my misconceptions about it because I thought, going to my mind, it was gonna be like this strong drink, almost like tequila, almost, and no, nah, it was like really fruity, very good. I enjoyed it. You know, it kind of helps prepare me f- soon when hopefully. Once the borders open up in Japan, I'd be like, they get, let's give their parents a name because i like to go try it fresh over there, you know? Yeah. Oh, check it out where it's made and stuff, you know. Like I said, um trying to see here. Oh, wow, I just pulled up something here. Uh, it says here, The star Hank Azaria apologizes for his portrayal of Apu. Okay. It's from arco article, The article is written by
1: not too
0: long.
1: I talked about it. Yeah. Apologizing again.
0: He may. He already said he retired from voicing the character. Let's see what he says here. Right. Did mm. you kind of do that when he was retiring from the character? Yeah. but well, let's see what it says here. Um. Look. Yeah, it's by Nicole Drum. She posted it today. It says here, according to the article, it says it has been over a year since it was announced in January 2020 that Hank Azaria... Will no longer voice this character, Apu Nahasapita Petalan. And now Azaria is apologizing for his decades voicing the character, which has come under scrutiny for his problematic depiction of the Indian people. In a recent episode of the Armchair Expert podcast also by Dax Shepard and Monica Piedman, Azaria uh, uh, said that he feels like he needs to apologize to every single Indian person for his part in the harmful stereotype stereotypical a Apu further. I don't know. I thought he was just like... Apu, to me, was a multiple love character in Simpsons. I found, like I said, and he says, this is what Azari says, and he quotes, I really do apologize. It's important I apologize for my part in creating that and participating in that. Part of me feels I need to go to every single Indian person in this country and personally apologize, and sometimes I do. And it says here, last January Apu announced that he would no longer voice A Pooh in the long running animated anime series. The decision came after a documentary, The Palm with Apu, brought to light the complex feelings that Indian Americans have towards the character with the conversation around Apu revealing that the character C not only dated, but a racist and harmful caricature. It is a view of Apu that Zari also said that since stepping away from the role, he's has to understand thanks to a conversation with a seventeen year old student at his son's school it says, Azaria says, and adds more, says, he'd never seen The Simpsons, but knows what Apu means. Azaria says, it's practically a slur at this point. All he knows is that how his people are thought of and represented to many people in this country. Azaria added to the student to him to speak up about the matter, asking, will you please tell the writers in Hollywood that what they do and what they come up with really matters in people's lives and has consequences. While Azaria is no longer voicing Apu, the Simpsons creator, Matt Groening, has indicated that he has plans for the character. Recently telling Yoshi today that they're working on something kind of ambitious for the character before saying that he is proud of Apu. I think the poo stories are fantastic, and he's one of the most nuanced characters on a silly two-dimensional cartoon show. So yeah, I'm proud of Apu, Pooh, said. I'm trying not to open up another chasm of criticism, but it doesn't matter what I say, I'll get it anyway. So that means like we won't see the last of the character. So I mean they might, like I said, you know, when they announced, like the Simpsons of producer Al Jean announced that they're gonna get more people of color voicing. Characters of color on the shows, you know that's what it did with like you know Harry Shearer, not longer voicing you know, no longer voicing uh Doctor Hibbert. Now he's voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson, great voice actor. He's done Shredder, he's done like so many voiceover roles, and then having Alex Desert taking over the voice of Carl from uh, from you know Hank Azaria did the voice of Carl, so he ended up retiring that character He ended up giving that character to Alex Desert, who you guys may not know was Turner's fellow teacher in Boy Meets World. He was the music, he was like, he was the media teacher. So he's the voice of Carl. So it's like, it's a slow transition. But for me, yeah, I enjoyed the Apu stories. I can see why now it is a stereotype. But I mean, it's like, but I think to me, it's like, it's, I don't know, it's because it's, I can see why people have a problem with it now and they had a problem back then. And I like, I had to get props saying because here for, you know, apologizing, which I'm going to say he, uh, to me, he was just portraying the character. But like I said, I think for actors, when they portray characters, you know, it, they feel like they're giving their all to that, bring that character to life. But like sometimes it's like, it's like, you know, it's something that you help create. And sometimes you feel like you take your responsibility for, which I do understand. So, well, like I said, I'm curious to see what they do, but, it's like, to me, it's, like, it was, like, another way into, think about it, kind of show a little bit into somewhat of the Indian culture. A little bit. Because it touched on topics, you know, you know, I talked about, you know, of marriages, you know, the deities they worship, you know, like I said, I, I've been through, when well, I did, like, a comparative religion course back in, when I went to junior college, um, we, like one of our trips, we had to go for class, was visiting like a Hindu temple, which was really interesting because I got to learn a lot about the culture. And you got to learn, like, you know, the different like deities they worship, you know, what offerings, and it was kind of cool. I mean, it's like in how they show about as well about, you know, helping others, but at the same time, giving respect to deities, but also helping your, your fellow man as well, helping others as well. Because to me that's how religion is. It's just helping being a better person being a better person, but also helping others in need. But we'll see. Like I said, I'm curious to see what what um Matt Granny has in mind for a poop. Maybe they'll get an Indian American actor to portray him, portray him, and we'll see how it goes. I think they're just trying to find a way to properly reintroduce him because right now I he has not made an appearance. He's always been like in the background or something. I think one episode um I think it was on The Simpsons where we just saw Apu's wife and that was it, but she didn't talk or anything. So it's like, she just appeared. That was it. So I'm just curious to see what they're going to do, um, after that. And, um, I'm trying to see what else is on here. I was on Macombug.com because usually that's where we get our sources from. Sometimes see what's going on here. Uh, let's see. Oh, it looks like um, She-Hawk is starting to film right now. This is reportedly begins filming. Cool. Oh, yeah. Here's one thing. You know how we talk about the whole GameStop and stuff with the stocks and stuff? Uh, apparently, right now, they're reportedly searching for a new CEO. It says GameStop. Corp- yeah, apparently it says here, GameStop's corporate shakeup continues as a new report indicates the the company's looking for a new CEO. This is from Christian Hoffer, Combook.com. And he writes that earlier today, Reuter reported that GameStop is searching for a new CEO to replace current CEO, George Sherman. While GameStop declined to comment on the Reuter report, the company is reportedly working with a recruiting firm on the CEO's search and looking for potential candidates for the gaming industry as well as in e-commerce and technology, inter- te- technology industries. The reported change in leadership followed last week's announcement that Ryan Cohen, co-founder of the online pet food company, Chewy, will be named the director of GameStop's board in June. Sherman has been the CEO of Ga- since tw- April 2019 and has got a GameStop through the pandemic, giving it afloat during a time when, it, when having brick-and-mortar locations was largely a money sink. However, Sherman- Sherman's primary experiences in real t- real <clears throat> retail store chains and GameStop is pushing to become an omnichannel brand with a heavy focus on e-commerce. Several other high-level re- executives have left the company in recent weeks, replaced by former executives from companies like Amazon or from Cohen's original company, Chewy. And so far, GameStop stock has dipped about 1% since the news of the shakeup, recurring creating yet another volatile day for the company's shares. GameStop stock remains nearly 900 percent higher than it was at the beginning of the year, after it was chosen as the chief background in the spat between hedge funds and individual traders organized on Reddit. While hedge funds are bet heavily that GameStop will continue to struggle and its price will go down, traders on Reddit board Wall Street bets bought up GameStop stock in mass, creating a phenomenon known as short squeeze. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, they're they're trying to stay alive. But so far, I mean the only thing that's keeping them alive right now is just people trying to pre order PS five or Xbox Series X. That's like the only thing that's keeping them alive right now. But they're trying to they're trying to hang in there pretty much.
1: They all have to compete, right? I mean eventually. Like the that's the thing is like even with the surge of the people investing in their stock shares, with with uh, the Reddit communities kind of boosting that notoriety, like the writing's been on this in the on the wall for them, and they even if they switch leadership, I feel like it's just a, a burning building that they're asking these people that that they're going to throw money at to 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 hopefully steer the ship right but if GameStop's obsolete it's kind of like unfortunately it's not like Blockbuster but it's it's becoming something similar to that where they but it's like it's like they they don't realize instead of doing that they should just invest invest in their online platform at this point because what are they going to do they should, like, with more, even if they expand a brick and mortar operation, like, they're just going out of business. Like, there's no, nobody's going to continue to keep buying video games. And then they still undercut people in the used market where there's plenty of other companies that do well doing secondhand sales, Um, especially with, like, you could probably get more bang for your buck taking it to a, a smaller company store that you actually have these people who are somewhat passionate about it, even if, and they don't use like these kind of shark sales tactics to get you on their on their rewards programs for what you know, where you can you can download a new game from the comfort of your home, right? As long as you have yeah,
0: and, I, and of course, like you know, like companies like PlayStation and Microsoft, like Sony, and Microsoft, they'll have these like random sales. Where they offer up to like seventy five percent off titles, you know, then use the triple titles. So that's the one thing too. And then of course, like I said, what because it's like when GameStop tried their best, like to you know introduce products and stuff besides gaming, that kind of drew people in a little bit, you know. It started selling like anime merchandise or pop culture merchandise. They tried like comics at one point. They're just they were trying to me. It was like a company that tried too much, you know. They tried. Because to me back then when it used to be like Funko Land and stuff, we never said any because, like I said, you know that was one of your go-to points to get games. Because, you know, back with my day, you know, I we you know I had Toys R Us was the main source of getting video games at that time, and and of course, you know, you know then games like shops like Funko Land open up where you get games, but they introduced the whole concept of like selling games or trading games for credits. To get games. That was like the whole thing about them. Was to sell used games at a reduced price. Or trade them in to get credit towards something new. Um, that worked. That model worked for a bit. But it's like. Now it's like somewhat. You know. It kind of changed. Because of the times. you know, When Am- stores like Amazon or Walmart. You know. started selling video games. Or they start doing like. Um, the selling games at a reduced price. You know, people had more, you know, options than going to a store or going to, like, pre-ordering a game and then waiting for midnight, going outside, waiting outside a game store at midnight to open up just to buy get your copy, which, I don't know, if you had to work the next day or go to school the next day, it kind of was misconvenient instead of just nowadays where you pre-order a game on, you know, on the PlayStation Store or the Microsoft or the Xbox Store. Now, if you pre-order it, it'll just download at the time that it's supposed to start downloading. Which kind of helps with the convenience factor as well. As, as well. So we'll see what happens. You know, GameStop's not out yet. I mean, yeah, they they start closing underwhelming stores. But it's still hanging in there, you know. Of course, with the whole GameStocks thing and GameStocks and, you know, Inspire, you know, a documentary and a film. <laughs> because like I said, it's one of those like, kind of like these shakeups. Like something like to get people's attention, basically. That's what it is. It's just to get the create attention and that's what it is. It's a, like entertainment almost. Like you know, okay. the way, I mean like entertainment. It's just to get people talking.
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's yeah, I guess you'll talk in, in this era where everything's kind of accessible, including companies that want to remain somewhat connected to their fans and things like that. They just it's just with with regards to GameStop, I just don't have I just don't have a bright opinion of them so and then like ugh, it's just it's, I don't I don't get it. Like I really don't don't see them last even past this decade. I thought with the pandemic happening it was gonna kind of drive away their their sales, but maybe people I don't know what's keeping them afloat. I really wish I knew It's
0: those PS five, Xbox, One, Series X you know, when they have limited stock and people try That's to stack at the preorders. Expected. Uh, honestly that's to me that's like yeah to me that's what they have i mean they have some decent merchandise like they have gaming merch and stuff that you probably won't get anywhere else they'll have like their exclusive merch that you can't get anywhere else so that kind of draws as well you know not just video games at least they're able to sell like shirts or like have like you know figurines that only they carry i think at one point they had like the old school digital playmates recasts for a while if it's like a four-pack, you can only get it at GameStop. So, they can't help them and There's just the whole lot of exclusives and stuff that kind of helped as well. Because that's what it was. I mean, they had where, you know, back in the day, you know, when you do our GameStop and sometimes you'll get, like, DLC with it, it's usually printed on your receipt because you have access to certain codes and stuff. Which is now, like I said, going back now with the digital market. And sometimes they'll have, like, these collector editions, which are only, like, you can only get it exclusively with GameStop. That's what kind of saved them as well. When you know companies like publishers, like game publishers, have offer like collectible items with the with bundled with the game itself. Like I remember when I got the, but I ended up getting Amazon, I pre ordering Sonic Mania, and I end up getting the collector's edition, which include the Sonic statue on the PlayStation, plastic Sonic Station, the Sega Genesis, with the cartridge replica and the ring inside. That was like a, I think that was an exclusive through Amazon. I don't know if it was exclusive anywhere else. And I can see that that was like the driving point. To me, that was the driving point, was just getting those exclusives. I mean, the whole, like, you know, waiting out, like, if you pre-order a game and, oh, you can go pick it, they'll give you a call and, you know, that the store will be open at midnight and be sure to be here with your receipt. They'll give you a game, just show me your receipt, you'll get your game at midnight. And remember bring, I remember one game, I forgot what game. remember Madden, <laughs> when I used to be into uh, Madden football. I think it was the, I actually pre-ordered Madden and End up waiting outside almost at 11 at night outside of GameStop with a bunch of people talking football. I think there was the one with uh, when Brett Favre got traded to uh, first, he got traded to the Jets before he went to Minnesota. <laughs> and I ended up like pre ordering that one and being outside with people just talking football. I mean, yeah, kind of like nowadays, now you can't do that because of the pandemic and stuff. But I think that's the one thing I do miss about back in the day is just pre order games, just going outside talking with people who like the game, you know? I remember, yeah, that, or Halo 2, when Halo 2 came out, I remember it was uh, me and our mom went, we went outside the mall, it was, at, I think people were, like, at a mall, and we couldn't go inside the mall, so they had us way outside, luckily it wasn't that cold, and that was kind of a cool event, because they, like, all the GameStop people were there, and they are really, you know, helpful and stuff, and... They gave us like drinks and a snack just being there at midnight waiting for the game to release and stuff. They were like, you know, keep us motivated and stuff. And that was fun. But I think I, I do kinda miss that a little bit. Just think seven or for a game releasing and stuff. And, you know, that's the one thing that can I cannot take away from that. But we'll see. Like that game that gaming cup, comp- you know, that gaming company franchise. We'll see how, if they, you know, stay on. Because like the way it looks like they're gonna probably jump more to the e-commerce side, which you know, you probably get more Probably get better revenue from probably not just US, but overseas as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to compete when you got Amazon. When I mean, you put our discounts or Best Buy still being prominent and having consoles and, and video game stuff. And you even got Walmart, who's been pretty stable throughout these years in finding consoles as well. So, like, I think not saying that people still go to stop as like a first priority choice but like outside of console drops like what are you are they really gonna be able to substantially hold on to besides like trying to trying to have like separate merchandise like fan stuff and and like what like getting as much replay value out out of old games but like trying to stretch people's like dollars for that like i don't know i just don't see it as something that like is gonna keep them afloat outside of console drops where we get a console one now
0: every five to seven years. Give or take. Yeah. Technology going so fast and upgrading so fast. Like people people just like
1: think that's why I like Nintendo for that reason that they when they dropped the switch that they were able to capture both type of markets to where the mobile gamers still like let's provide a high powered Console like experience, but make it on the go because people are always
0: gonna be on the go. See, that's what kind of helped. That's what kind of helped Nintendo a little bit because don't get me wrong, the Wii was innovative for its time, but because of the whole motion and movement and stuff, and the Wii U was kind of almost like a precursor to the Switch, but it just didn't you know work because it's like who wants to carry that big ass thing, you know? And the Nintendo, they always to me, they always dominated the portal market. I mean, Sony tried their hand at you the Vita, the PSP. They started with the Vita, and now the Vita got retired basically. And you know, now it's like yeah, Nintendo always had that you know the poor market, and of course building a franchise uh, as Pokemon as a you know a billion dollar franchise to his own right. That's a brand that's you know started by Game Freak, and of course you know Nintendo to the point it's got its own thing called a Pokemon Company, and that helped Nintendo you know gain that revenue. And it's like, you know, and it, people forget Nintendo's like one of the oldest companies ever. And it looks like we got cut off again. What's going on, Discord? Keep getting cut off, man. <laughs> um, yeah, going back to Nintendo, like people don't realize Nintendo's been around for a long time. They've been around since 1899 when they were just a uh, company in Kyoto, when they were making Hanafuda trading cards. Even when playing cards. And Hanabuno is like a traditional Japanese game. Kind of similar to poker. Where it's matched by like designs. These designs like uh represent like a high end number or a low end number. And you can match three of a kind and all that stuff. Um Yeah, they were doing that until they became after moving out to Kyoto because that's what the original offices was, and then they became, you know, a conglomerate where they had investments and in everything, like appliances, you know, hotels, you know, toys. They eventually got to the video game market, but they always been around because they knew how the consumer thinks. And, you know, it reminds me of Power Up, the book I read, which I got to find it, I have it. It's called Power Up, How Japanese Video Games Conquer the World. Um, Pretty much talks about Nintendo for a bit and how even the video game industry in Japan, how they used to do releases on the... They used to do releases on like a... Before, they used to do them on Mondays, but then they... Because kids were getting out, they were trying to school, they ended up switching to releases to Fridays because some companies were off on the weekends or some schools usually off on the weekends. And they talked about how, you know, even Japanese seller men were tied up fake sick, you know, to pretty much, you know, to get David's face sick to sit in line and pick up the latest game. As nowadays, now in Japan is, sometimes a lot of companies will like, if they're like, if they're employee markets like, and if their employees are fans of a certain game, they actually will give like, their employees time off just to play the game just to play like the newest game that comes out and one thing too like it shows like it's decided with video games like it's still prevalent because I mean just seeing seen like during the pandemic Animal Crossing became one of the biggest games throughout the pandemic it kind of showed people's creativity to make costumes for the characters and make their own islands and share with fans and communicate with people and stuff because honestly that was the best way you know if we had this pandemic years back where like Online gaming wasn't a big thing, and we couldn't go out anywhere, and, you know, the internet was still, like, a baby. We probably would have been, like, miserable as fuck, basically, and, sorry, excuse my language, but, yeah, it would have been like that. So, it's a good thing of gaming now, especially, like, PC gaming and console gaming, we're still able to connect with our friends and stuff who, you know, probably had to suffer lockdown, you know? Or connect with other people and share ideas and get creative and stuff. So... For the game, but shown it, it looks like.
1: I mean, it looks like it's a shit ton of fun. Just it's 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 uh looks a lot more intriguing than The Sims. It kind of has like a similar similar type of concept as far as like in your own world. I mean, you're taking care of these things that are outside of you, but like there's also. I feel like there's more replayability on that side of things because I, I don't know the Sims are okay, but it's just like it's not you're it's
0: still very similar to what real life is. Mm-hmm. Like you give them jobs
1: and all that shit, and like with this with Animal Crossing, a character has its own have their own little quirks and abilities, and like just they're they're themselves, and like you you create this island that you you essentially track more characters to live on and then in return you get to get stuff customized different things I mean the personalization in there is way more I think is what puts it over a
0: yeah cause I've seen like I think there's like an Animal Crossing subreddit where it show like people showcase like their designs and stuff how they build their looks even if they're fans of, like anime or something they, they people create like outfits and stuff and they share the codes online that's kind of cool and it's like a, it's like a community; it's its own. But like I said, it's, a, it's one of those communities that kind of blew up during the pandemic. It's like, you know, I think some people even did like weddings and stuff using Animal Crossing characters, just like as an option, you know, just to make it more fun. And you know, they they gatherings on Animal Crossing. You know, it's like you hang out with your buddies and stuff. That was kind of, you know, it's convenient. You know, like I said, um, to me that was like one of the highlights of that. And this shows how, like I said, video games are just for kids they're for adults as well and like I said something to you know just to take away the from the stress of life you know stress of you know for people that couldn't go to work during a pandemic you know what can they do like it you know they don't want to be like bored or anything like if you'll showcase their creativity you know find a little comfort like a little getaway or something so to say especially now yeah go ahead there's there's also uh,
1: um, even off on time, so like sometimes, like on the weekend, especially with those type of games, like it, it, it gets your creative side going with a lot of people who may not like relevant into different types of hobbies. And, like, challenge that, like, you can be creative in these like immersive worlds that are created on your Switch, right? Like, yeah, or it can help people connect to like your friends or like kids that are into video games it's a way for you to kind of bridge that gap to where you can relate to your son or daughter or like whatever just trying to like build up that time together and like you guys can play a game that's fun like i don't know
0: it's like minecraft yeah. or something as well because i think minecraft when yeah. they first started but still people still build on minecraft it's still a playable game
1: yeah. come up with it, like. It, it, but that's what i mean like it's like like a form of of uh because, like, people's, people's idea of hobbies back then is more hands-on, but, like, with video games, its, it's trajectory of, of how it's been, like, the past 30 to 40 years, like, mm-hmm. oh, how just immersive these new games can be, and, and how you can just, like, continuously challenge your creativity in these little scapes, and, like, it's just different, like, with even when you see the boost in PC gaming, just like the pandemic, like, people <sighs> are investing in, in like big setups to where not only like you Twitch and stream. So like you, you are able to invest in these things. And like, so people's idea of hobbies are changing with, with the, with the evolution of different technologies being produced. Right. So like, yeah, I think the idea of hobbies is going to continuously change. And I think with like the older generation, kind of like they're kind of, uh, for lack of a better world, we're dead. <laughs> like, they're kind of like, you have, I think, our generation kind of understanding that, that the bridge between the analog world and the digital world and we're, I feel like we're better to navigate it, but, like, these next kids are going to just blast off as far as the differences of how they're so adaptable to technology. Like, they live on this shit, dude. So it's just like, just knowing Knowing that, like, we're not even at the, the tip of the iceberg of how much we can take this shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw a video the other day with, uh, like, Elon Musk was testing the Neuralink, the
0: Neuralink thing on a monkey. Mm-hmm. Because they put in the receptors and they runs through Bluetooth and
1: he was playing Pong. They, like, would feed him through, like, this banana smoothie tube thing. And kind of condition him to, like, every time he played that. And he was, he was uh, would put his right hand on, on this joystick they, that's where like you kind of have to like have to have like the benefit of the doubt where it's like, is, would he really lie about this? But like, if the monkey's pulling on the the joystick lever. I think it's what releases. This, have the Bluetooth receptors that are already implanted in his head. I forgot the monkey's name, but like he was controlling. He was playing this like Pong game and is using his brain
0: to move the paddles, uh, basically.
1: Yeah, and then he would move the pad play this other game to test his like spatial coordination Mm -hmm. he was fucking smart like he was moving up and down like it was to match the different squares it was cool so like and um they had the computers running with the bluetooth receptors catching his brain uh activity and his momentum and he was controlling it like just the movements of the paddle board and pong -pong with himself it's just his brain waves it's just like if, if we see more of these guys who are quote unquote the richest people in the world invest in these things that are like just too sci-fi for
0: own good, I think like it's to help so. people like that because it's like having a neural link is going to help like people that you know have these traumatic injuries where they can no longer use yeah. to lose their limbs. Yeah. It probably will help you know for them to be able to co- like be able to survive society. You know, you know, having a neural link will help you know. People that, you know, get paralyzed, paralyzed, get severely injured with paralysis patients, you know, will help them, like, operate a television or operate a vehicle using their mind, you know, operate, you know, everyday, tech- like, devices. That would be a good segue point, you know, to help with that as well. You know, that will help, you know, train the brain, train the mind, you know. And that's really good. I think I've seen a clip of that as well. And I was seeing, like, the clip, I think it was on the mildly Interesting subreddit and someone posted it on there. I,
1: when I came across it.
0: And I saw, like, yeah, I saw something about that, and I'm like, oh, wow, that looks interesting. It's, like, kind of cool how that, you know, how he's making, like, Elon Musk is, like, doing these different innovative things and investing, you know, in the future and stuff. And, I mean, i seen, you know, Microsoft, when they came out with that, um, adapted, like, controller for the Xbox One for, like, you know, to help the for special needs kids, how they made, like, an adapted controller so they can play and stuff. I saw this one video. Um, this dad made... An actual adaptive controller for his daughter so she can play Switch. And she had, um, like it was kind of cool, it had like different buttons and stuff. And every button that she tries to press control the character, they're using Breath of the Wild as an example. She was so happy and, you know, playing, you know, Breath of the Wild and pressing different buttons to make the character move. And her dad was really like, you know, he proud of himself that he was able to do something for his daughter. And, you know, it, it, it was like interesting. Like, it's like, when people, like, people are saying, oh, video games are addiction and stuff. No, it was like, different studies that showed that it doesn't, it's because video games always get a bad rap with, with, you know, people being addicted to it or causing violence. But it has been so many scientific studies that proves it's not a disorder. It's something that can be controlled. And, you know, it helps with, you know, giving your brain kinda of like that endorphin esque, you know, high, you know. People say the runner's high when they exercise and stuff. You get you get that feeling when your endorphins hit your brain and stuff. It's the same thing when you play video games. Or you get to the next level or you're playing Apex or playing Fortnite, you your team wins or something. You're playing COD and you're playing and your team wins or as for me, I play JRPGs. Just getting through that next little game, my character gains a new level or something. You get that, you know, that rush, you know, that sense of accomplishment. And of course, like you said, it's more of immersive. Like games now are more immersive. They're more storytelling. Before back then, they were just up to put pixels on a screen and you're taking one character from point A and point B. But nowadays, games now it's more like storytelling. That's why like now games hire like people to write. They hire storyboard artists. To make these games, like so, it's almost like a like a movie production because they do motion capture and all that stuff, which is like it gets become it becomes. I seen like videos. I saw like, um, I forgot what company it was on. Like it was also on a subreddit where how they do motion capture for animals, just to capture the movement and stuff. They have them with cats and they have them with dogs and horses, just to capture the movement and stuff. So yeah, I mean. As for me, like like you said, Twitch wise, yeah, there's been more people on Twitch or like YouTube streaming as well. It became one of the biggest thing for people that were like in lockdown and stuff. And with the whole PlayStation doing the whole um, play at home thing, where they offered like free games for a certain period of time for free. They're getting games for free to download, and you keep those games. Like that was it. Like no like temporary thing. I that was like you play. You, you they're yours to keep. When they had the whole play at home. And they're still doing it for this year as well. Until the vaccine is slowly rolled out. And everyone's vaccinated. They're still doing that as well. And they got read a report too. Like how a lot of like PlayStation subscribers are pissed at Sony. Because of the whole MLB The Show coming to Xbox. You know, one, due to the the deal that Microsoft did with... uh Not the deal with Microsoft, but MLB did with uh, like Sony. Because you know, Sony had the show. They had the rights to Major League Baseball. Then, you know, now... Xbox One, like Xbox Series X players, now finally get to have a MLB baseball game at the ability to build, play the show. And apparently, Microsoft made it announced that it's going to be available day one in the Game Pass. And now, now Microsoft is like now Sony. Apparently, there's rumors that Sony now has to come up a way to because Sony has their own PlayStation now. But I checked out PlayStation now. I haven't subscribed to it, but that I mean, they got they got some. Triple A Tiles in there, but it's not much selection wise. I don't see that much to for people to get it. So now it's like, now there's like reports saying they're now trying to go back and see what it can do to get people to subscribe to the PlayStation Now service. Because to me, it's like, to me right now, it's like with the whole PlayStation 5 Series X, you know, right now, with limited supply, always sold out, there's not that many game titles at launch that kind of. I mean, yeah, I want to go to the next generation, but it's not that many titles you offer. That's why it's, like, it's good that these systems are not backwards compatible. don't get me wrong, like, I want to get a PS5, but it's, like, I'm not going to show, like, $70 for a game, dude. That's, like, so much. It's, like, at least I have my backlog of games for PS4 that are playable on PS5 once I eventually get it. At least I'll have those right now until those prices go down, you know? So... <laughs> that's I like my sense about it so anything else you want to add biko uh, i don't know um it's r.i.p.dmx yeah <laughs> r.i.p.dmx
1: today in the world is just so fucking sad it's just every it's like every time i open a news new window it's like another shooting mm-hmm. i just like that's why i like have nothing because everything is just like a new shooting Bad police injustice bullshit, like just all around bad. There's like a shooting at a high school today in Tennessee. <sighs> what? But anyway, it was just bad I stuff all around every day, and it doesn't seem like it's gonna get better.
0: No, and then of course I saw the one about the army. The army, like yeah. officer, that got you know hazed by the cops and stuff. He got pepper sprayed and everything. And yeah, what the hell? It's like they were like a gas station or something too. It was like what the heck. And the guy like yeah. Posted a video From his perspective Like he actually Was recording Like the army The army The soldier Like he was recording As well And he's like He's asking What did he do wrong Like he kept asking Then I like, course, the cops And I found out the cops Actually got fired For it they had, Yeah they, but
1: they should be More than
0: just fire Yeah they should get Tried and stuff too
1: That's what I'm saying like, is stupid. People are like, oh, yeah, he's fired, but it doesn't matter. You can just go to another state or another city and out of that district and just get hired. Yeah. It's, like, that's the problem. Like, Or they get these stupid suspensions that get sent home and they're nothing. Just be back on the thing next week. Or like, they oh, just, he's not going to work from a desk. He's still getting paid. It's like there's no not getting reprimanded by any means. or not actually facing the system that we do to fucking face. And they are ones who don't deal with any of that. So it's just, it's ridiculous. And like, it's, and it's so, it's ironic that it happened again. And like another, like another young man got killed because of it. And it happened to be in Minneapolis where they were having the most trouble over there as far as like the cops not getting any sort of oversight. So it's just like more, more shit is, is, is continuously not getting better. And like, they they, suspect, they expect us to kind of see it that way. Like, no way, it just doesn't make any sense. So that's why I'm like, I wish I had more positive news other than seeing the, the monkey control the game, which was kind of cool, but like, it's just more and more injustices out for a year. And it's already been a year that we're in this shit. And like, it seems like it's just another one pops up. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's very strange. There's like more shootings getting reported every day. At least they're getting nationally recognized. But, yeah. yeah. I don't
0: know. Minneapolis, the- yeah, Minnesota has to get their shit together. <laughs> yeah, I like everyone has to get their stuff together. Um, well, I did find something to try to curb this, you know, somber and stuff. Uh, apparently, Hasbro is releasing a 19-inch tall Optimus Prime auto-converting programmable advanced robot. Which is going roughly about seven hundred dollars, and it can you can actually command it using your voice, and it responds to twenty-five different voice commands. This is a product is a collaboration between the Shenzhen-based robotics company RoboSense Robotics and Hasbro. According to the press release, the toy was created after eleven years of research and development. It is the first ever consumer robot that features a comprehensive set of functions, including automatic convertible movement from vehicle to robot bipedal walking ability in robot form, race function in vehicle form, programmable code development, and robot control commands, be either voice or via mobile app. It looks like Kevin Smith did a, a boxing of it for Hasbro. I guess he was having fun with it. This article came from Anime News Network. Like I said, I guess Hasbro had like a, a fan fest, like a FanFest livestream, and I guess they had Kevin Smith demonstrating the toy and stuff. It looks kind of cool. It's like, you know, if you ever watched Transformers back in the day, you're a big fan of Optimus Prime. Um, Something to pick up as well. And I do want to... It looks like two Netflix, looks like they announced, they are developing... I guess they're going to develop a live-action film based on Gundam. The Gundam-like franchise, which people don't realize Gundam... The figurines and stuff, It's the, they do the model kits and stuff, They did, like Gundam became a franchise to expand like, anime series, it's got like, in Japan, there's like a theme park, there's even a gun, like not a theme park, but like, there's the Gundam factory, Bandai's in, far, in charge of it, and there's a Gundam factory where you can go visit the actual giant sized Gundam statue that actually moves, and stuff, I think there's one by the, I forgot what town is in Japan as well um but you can buy the model kits online um they got you know they're so easy to make they got like beginner levels to so like more advanced models and stuff and you can always go anywhere like barnes and noble or something and you can see Gundam anywhere basically they're one of those recognizable franchises besides like dragon ball z and sailor moon and i'm trying to see up and buy and get one i mean the sets are not that expensive so when they come like you can actually get like the tools stuff to build them it's kind of cool Usually they're pre-painted already, so you don't have to worry about painting them and stuff. But they're easy to build and assemble. I just wanted to pull it out there. Um, It also kind of segues to, like, say, my... um, Anime uh, pick of the week, pretty much. Um, I've been, like... With that course of spring, there's a lot of new animes coming out. And I kind of... Saw some today. One just released a second episode today but the one um I kind of saw today Barry got one episode it was one of the standouts like um, one of the youtubers one of any youtubers I follow um the anime man mentioned it one of the ones that he was interested to see um he mentioned on the list uh, it's called um let me see if I can pull it up here it's under the, the mal list here I just kind of I'm using mal right now guys if you want to follow me on mal, on mal you can follow me on there as well. Um, it is called Ijiran Nande Nagatoro-san or do, Don't do Toy With Me Nagatoro-san Miss Nagatoro and pretty much uh, it's, a, it's a manga and right now basically it's a slice of life it's a comedy it's also like a romance this is going to air for 12 episodes it just came out this weekend and basically the premise is um, high schooler Hayase Nagatoro loves to spend her free time doing one thing is that to bully her senpai. After Nakatoro and her friends stumble upon the aspiring artists' drawings, they find enjoyment in mercilessly bullying the timid senpai. Nakatoro is also continuing her cruel game and visits him daily so that she can force senpai into doing whatever interests her at the time, especially if it makes him uncomfortable. It says here, slightly aroused or, and somewhat fearful Nagatoro, Senpai is constantly roping to her antics as his interests, hobbies, appearance, and even personality are used against him, and as she, she entertains herself at his expense. As time goes on, Senpai realizes that he doesn't dislike Nagatoro's presence, and the two of them do develop an uneasy friendship, and one, as one patiently puts up with the antics of the other. So, it's, like I said, it's from manga, this is by Telecon Animation film and right now it's currently on Crunchyroll right now and like I said I watched the first episode today this morning and (laughs) it was hilarious you know just I don't know like the way the actress portrays her it's like dude she's like a jerk (laughs) because the dude's like I can tell this is a dude who honestly got bullied as a kid and he's a second year in high school and she's like a first year and you know he's an artist you know he looks like he drew a manga and stuff and just I don't know he's like you know, kind of like introvert a little bit, and you know, he he gets he got bullied as a, as a younger kid, and just just her behavior and stuff, and the way she's like taunting him and stuff, and it's funny though. It's like I did chuckle a little bit about it, but it's like I'm like, dude say something to her, like, come on, don't like you like let her like make fun of me and berate you. But it is it's like I said, it's comedy. It's one of those you new know, things. It's like based on a manga and of course, like this year, it's supposed to be a lot of anime come out this year because last year we didn't see a lot of anime because of the pandemic. So a lot of stuff got pushed back as production wise. And it's a one way for people that, you know, who already finished Attack on Titan final season part one already. Just to give them something, you know, to get over Attack on Titan for right now. So they more lighthearted. Like I said, I'm trying to expand my anime, you know, spectrum. As opposed to, like, you know, different genres and stuff. And I gotta say, this is a good... It's one episode right now. I can catch it on Crunchyroll. Like I says, Don't Toy Me Miss Nagatoro on Crunchyroll right now. It looks like it's gonna be out, like, on Sundays on Crunchyroll. Or Mondays, I believe. I think it's on Mondays. I have to see when it airs. Let me see what Mal says it. It says it airs on... No, actually, it airs on Sundays. So right now, it's currently airing on Sundays. And like I said, right now, it's currently got a 7.3 score on Mal. Right now. So that's my anime recommendation for the week. Anything else you want to add, Pico? I don't know. Good? Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. All right. We
1: get
0: a better week. <laughs> yeah, hopefully next week we get a better week. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good time to wrap it up. Um... Like I said, guys, thank you for joining us this week. Hopefully next week we'll have better news. Much more lighthearted. I know this week kind of, like, sucked a little bit. Um, like I said, check out the anime recommendation. You can follow me on socials, on Twitter, at TheFanchise85. You can follow the podcast on Twitter as well, at PopTalking. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash talking Pop. You can check out the backlog of the episodes on Spotify, Anchor, Google, Apple, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or we get your podcast fixed. We do have a merch store at spring.com slash store slash talking about. We got merch right now. We got hoodies in case it rains. We got shirts. We got tank tops once it gets warmer. Um, we got for men, women, unisex, kids. Um, we got coffee mugs. We got decals. We got face masks because we're still in the pandemic. Um... You can follow me on Twitch. I am the casual gamer. You can follow me on twitch.tv slash finecharts685 for your JRPG role-playing game or story-based driven game fix. Uh, Biko, where can they find you on socials? Uh, Working on that.
1: That's fine.
0: You're working on socials. (laughs) We're kind of
1: in the works of something, so we'll be able to at least share it.
0: Next coming weeks. All right. All right, guys. That was it for this week. Um, Like I said, enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you again next time. As always, geek on. Take care. We'll see you all again next week. So right now, if you go to teespring.com slash talkandpop, and when you go to check out, use the promo code TALKPOP and save $5 on your order. Support the podcast. As always, geek on and take care.